Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hey, crazy birds. I hope you guys are all doing well. Our guest today is an expert of flower alchemy. Using the healing power of flowers to awaken one true potential, she's the author of Flower Evolution and the founder of Lotus Way. She travels in search of rare flowers with the healing qualities most needed in the world today, from the forest of British Columbia to sacred sites in India, rainforest in Costa Rica, hot springs in Iceland, and the jungles of Taiwan. In this episode, we discover that there are so much more to a flower than just something beautiful to look at. And Also, that sometimes we do need to stop and smell the flowers as they can provide us with some flower remedies as well. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Katie Hess. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. You're most welcome. How did your sustainable journey actually start? Hmm, that's a big question. For me, sustainability, I think, is maybe a little bit different than for others who maybe are worried about plastic bags or straws or minimizing waste. I tend to think of sustainability as like sustainability of humanity on the planet. I remember my teacher telling me once, humans think they can save the planet. Humans can't save the planet. Only trees can. (laughs) (laughs) And so I tend to think of like, What can we do to inspire all of us to really preserve nature? You know, because nature gives us so much from food to good energy to like basically everything, right? It's this paradise that we live in. So when I was a kid, I spent like all my time outdoors. And although I don't have the luxury of doing that these days as much, about 20 years ago, I made this a business of working with flower remedies to inspire people to recognize that we live in this incredibly supportive environment and that plants and trees and flowers want us to be balanced in fact and that they're offering their their essence all the time and so from my perspective it's like I guess you could say the last 20 years that I've been really devoted to getting this message out of how precious nature is and how mother nature is supporting us all the time and I think through that process, you know, we, we, we protect the things that we love. And so the more that we love and feel this, you know, support around us, the more that we'll protect. I love that. And that is so true. I mean, definitely we do protect the stuff that we love. And by looking at you at the moment, I can see so many beautiful flowers around you. I'm a super fan of orchid. Like literally the first thing I bought for our new house that we just moved in was... 
going to say five orchids. I think it was five. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm a big fan. And I mean, there's just like so many quotes about everyone saying, you know, you need to kind of stop and smell the roses and like smell the flowers. And I'm such a true believer in that. I just feel we need to, first of all, feel that connection. And there's just something about smelling a flower and it just smells phenomenal. Or, you know, if you walk down a park and you can smell all of these senses, there's just something so amazing about it. And you're an expert on flower alchemy. It's like, what exactly does that mean? What the heck is that? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think we tend to think of alchemy as changing metal into gold. So the quickest way to describe it is it's really just a self-ascribed term because I didn't know what the heck to call what I was up to. Using the power of flowers, specifically the healing power of flowers, so that we can turn what's metal into gold inside of us. So really, you know, transforming the parts of us that we feel are sludgy or, you know, not precious into something that is at its full potential and precious. That's amazing. I never really thought about it like that. And and that is so true. I mean, what you kind of put into your body, it's also what you're going to get out, like not like spiritually, mentally, like everything that you produce has to go through through your body and turning those stuff into gold. I absolutely love that. I never, I would never have thought about that. So yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. When you talk about all of your flower alchemy and things that you do, you are also the founder of Lotus Y. What made you decide on this name? Because that's also quite an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to what, to, to your previous question of turning metal into gold. And if you think about like in Eastern cultures or in Asia, the symbol of the lotus is lotuses grow where it's like sticky and stinky and muddy and you know they grow in swamps essentially and it's this symbol of like our everyday life is so chaotic maybe we don't eat the right foods at the right times or we have all this wi-fi energy and cellular energy affecting our bodies we have weird moods right we have patterns that we've grown up with that you know can turn us into crazy people at some times and yet when you think about the lotus even though it grows in this kind of dirty place, it is totally pristine. So it's like the symbol that there's something about us that is pure and we can use the chaos of everyday life to really realize our full potential and what we're here to do and be. Way is a Mandarin word for transformative action. So it's like these flower remedies are working to like something's happening, right? So flower remedies are typically taken internally. They're totally different from essential oils or scents. And when you, you know, put them into your coffee, tea, water, something's happening. It's like affecting your energy. It's helping you access a greater wisdom. It's helping to clear away all the static from everyday life so that we can actually reach our full potential. For me, I'm totally new to this concept and I'm sure they, they might be some of our crazy birds out there that's also like, whoa, what is this flower stuff? Like, <laughs> I need some of that in my life. You're talking about flower elixir. How, how do you pronounce that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call them flower elixirs just elixirs. because, you know, I didn't want people to get confused with scents, but traditionally they're called flower essences or flower remedies. And I under, as I understand it, they're, you can find them literally in any pharmacy in Australia. 
in the United States, however, it's like we're a bit behind you guys and they're not as popular. So it's like if I ask people like, well, how does your cell phone work? You know, we never really think that like there's these invisible waves coming off of our phones. They travel these great distances. They go through walls. They go through our bodies and we can send messages and photos and videos and music. I mean, it's like unreal if you like actually think about how on earth could we connect on this level, right? We're on totally opposite ends of the planet. It's mind blowing. And so I think when people hear about this concept of flower remedies, like, wait, flowers, they have energy. It's like floral Wi-Fi. And then each flower affects your mind differently. Some flowers make you sleep. Some make you focus. Some induce love. It's like, how does that actually work? Flowers have energy. It's bizarre. But then when you think about, you know, the earth has been around for so long, 4.5 billion years. And most of the technologies that we come up with as humans have already been in existence for so long. And so if you were to say to some, you know, somebody like, you know, when you're a kid, you're going to have this box that you carry around in your pocket that's going to emit invisible waves, right? And you could send a video to someone in China in, in within seconds. When you were a kid, you might have thought that's totally crazy, but we know it's real. And so is it that far-fetched then to believe that there is also the same thing happening among plants and flowers. And we know that when we go out into nature, we feel so good. We feel so different. So this is, this is the work that I've pretty much devoted my whole life to is which flowers do what and how can we use that to, you know, really find more ease in everyday life. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. And you've just mentioned there's many different flowers that has different, you know, effects on us, but there's also loads of benefits of us using, you know, these like flower remedies. What are some of the benefits for using it? I mean, there's short-term and there's long-term. Most people will notice like within the first few days of using flower remedies that they just feel, hmm, you know, like, the edginess or the irritation of life softens. Suddenly you can hear the birds singing and you just feel like a lot more spaciousness, not as quick to, you know, fly off the handle. So that's like short-term. Also, you sleep better. You just feel generally happier for no reason. Um, It's almost like surprising, right? Like, "Hmm, how come I feel so good? And then if you take them long-term, so like repeatedly weeks, months, you notice your external world start to shift. So I would say once people start using them regularly around four month mark, it's like the whole world from the inside has subtly shifted and rearranged itself. So the external world that's reflected back to us changes. So what does that mean? It means like maybe you change your job or a part of your business that you've worked in or a relationship, you know, people go, new people come in. Some like larger shifts in your external life that reflect what you've been experiencing on the inside. So, I mean, there's a difference between, gosh, I can't sleep and I need flower remedies to help me sleep versus I didn't get enough attention when I was three and therefore it made me feel left out. And so I find myself in situations today often feeling left out. And I'm going to take a flower for that particular issue, right? So there's like a range of how targeted we want to be and how just like survival mode, you know, I want love, happiness, sleep, peace versus like, I really want to get to the bottom of why am I like this, you know? 
Wow. So, I mean, for me, if I were to now try out some of these flowers, how would I know where even to start? Like, what do I do? <laughs> I like flowers. I'll probably go for the pretty one. <laughs> yeah, that's the brilliant part about it. It's like, it really is the easiest, most brilliant system in the world. Because over the last couple decades, I realized that as humans, we have this incredible innate wisdom but we don't know that we have it. We tend to think with our thinking minds and we want to figure everything out, right? I do it too. But actually what's the most effective diagnostic tool, so to speak, is what you said. You literally look at images of flowers and see what you're most drawn to. See what's the most beautiful to you. See what's the most interesting. And it will always be 99% right on in terms of what you're feeling or what your like inner self really wants to expand into. You also have like kind of like a test thing on your website or like a quiz that yeah. I did. Um, and oh, cool. <laughs> I felt it was like spot on, you know, I, I got like the sleep. I need to like clarity <laughs> because I'm always, even when I'm lying and sleeping and there's always so many things going on that it's it's really hard sometimes just to like relax and to shut down and to be focused on one thing. I think so many people who are really creative and active have, you know, we have that issue where we, it's like we have so many ideas, but then when we want to turn it off, sometimes it's hard to turn it off, right? <laughs> exactly. And if I just look at some of these flowers and I, I mean, like I'm comparing these now to obviously fruit and vegetables that I know. And if I want to juice, like get some, some oranges and juice them out to get a proper orange juice. I know how many oranges it takes to like make one proper, good, freshly squeezed juice. How many flowers would you actually need to just like make one of your 30 mil bottles? Oh my God, I love that question. That is where the sustainability piece comes in. You know, so if we're talking about essential oils, aromatherapy, because we do work with essential oils as well. I mean, when I first started my business, I realized early on that in the States, especially, not everybody wanted to take a tincture or put some drops in their mouth or their coffee, right? So we started early on using aromatherapy as a way to sort of bridge this other modality that we worked with. So what I love about flower essences is that they're so sustainable. So like, whereas if you have a drop of rose oil, like essential oil, you need 40 roses just for that one drop of oil. We often like complain, oh, well, the price of jasmine's going up, you know, but then I stop and think like, do I really want to have jasmine farms and pick every single individual flower and distill it? It's crazy. But with flower remedies, it's one of the most sustainable mental wellness modalities because you really only need, let's say it's a giant flower, one flower, or let's say it's a small flower, maybe three to five flowers. And that could last depending on demand it could last my entire lifetime. It could make wow. enough remedies to treat or to help thousands, tens of thousands of people. So it's kind of like homeopathy. The more dilute it is, the more powerful it is. That's very interesting. But then how, what does the process look like? Like I'm 
thinking, okay, so when we need the flowers, we go, we chop <laughs> off the flowers and we squeeze everything out of them and then they'll grow new flowers and that's kind of how the process is. How far off am I? <laughs> yeah, so that would be very similar if you were making essential oils, the aromatherapy. For the flower remedies, it's a solar infusion process and that's kind of fancy words just to say you collect flowers right at their full bloom point in an area where they're undisturbed. There are no pesticides, not a lot of people. And then you soak the flowers in water. The sunlight transfers their particular healing quality into the water. Water acts like a recording device, you know, similar to that beautiful, like shiny rainbow surface on a CD or a DVD. Water holds the information. We add alcohol to preserve it or to keep it alive, so to speak. And then we do dilutions similar to homeopathy. So it is possible, for example, let's say that near Perth, you had an endangered flower, you know, that, you know, the government said, you can't even touch this flower or we'll fine you this much money because you can't pick it. And it may be the last, you know, of this patch of flowers left on earth. You could hypothetically bend that flower over into the water and soak it for several hours in sunlight and then let the flower go so it's still intact in the ground and then you have enough remedy for hundreds of years perhaps unless everyone in the world is taking flower essences <laughs> by that point which I hope is the case but then you have this like time capsule of remedy from this really valuable flower and you have essentially not harmed any flower in the making. Oh, wow. Okay. That's amazing. So you don't have to go and pick all these flowers to actually use them. You can do that. That's very interesting. <laughs> it's like mine's blown. <laughs> yeah. It's like, think of it in terms of electronics. Like, you know how you just like download a software from online it takes a couple seconds. So it's kind of like that where it's almost like you're, you're downloading this beautiful upgrade, this beautiful energy from this flower into water. And then you dilute it enough so that many people can, you know, share in that. It's just kind of like a, an upgrade, so to speak, like a download. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really interesting. I never thought about it like that. And yeah, it's definitely something that I like learning a little bit more of. So that's quite nice. And I mean, geez, there is honestly so many different flowers. I don't even know how many species of flowers there is. There's just so many. What is your favorite flower and why? I have two. I really love night blooming jasmine because it's just so simple and unassuming. And you look at it and you think the flower is kind of plain. There isn't anything ostentatious about it but when you walk by it it's just so arresting like the scent of it and then my second favorite right now is called toad lily bizarre name but if you google it it is the wildest looking flower you've ever seen oh, like wow. incredible colors and polka dots and it's like from another planet <laughs> toad lily I'm definitely gonna check that one out Jeez, that's amazing and with most of these flowers that you guys use, are they mainly in the U.S. that you use them or like all over? Yeah, we, we go out and collect flowers from all over. So, so far we've collected from the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Iceland, Costa Rica, Singapore, India, Korea, Taiwan, 
we find that different areas or environments have like typically different lessons kind of. So like many of the flowers coming from Iceland will have this sort of different flavors of childlike wonder and curiosity. Whereas flowers from Costa Rica are really good at like getting deep down into your belly and like pulling out irrational fears that might be stuck in there somewhere. And then Southeast Asian flowers are like amazing for teaching us how to experience more abundance and prosperity and think with a really broad mind and not small-minded, you know, to think in terms of big possibilities. So I like to collect from all over because it seems that, you know, like the earth has different lessons in different places and it comes through in the flowers. Oh, I love that. And I mean, you've also written a whole book, which is called The Flower Evolution. Can you tell our crazy birds kind of what will they expect when they read that book? Yeah, there's two parts to it. The first part talks about, you know, what are flower essences? And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that sounds really nice, but what's the science behind it? And so it goes into bees and forest bathing and how plants are psychic and how we know that and what's some of the science behind that. Um, and the second part of the book is like, choose your own adventure. I don't know if you read those books when you were a kid where you, you know, you turn to page 34 and such and such will happen. So you essentially look at the spread of flowers and choose the one or ones you're most attracted to. And then you page forward to what, to what that flower is. And it will actually act as a mirror to you. So it will ask you questions about how you're feeling. Are you feeling this way? It's almost like doing your own flower reading. So based on what you're attracted to, it reflects back what you might be working on. Oh, wow. That sounds very fascinating. Definitely worth checking it out. So I'm going to link the book in our show notes as well for Crazy Birds, where it's easier for them to go and find it. I mean, you've also traveled quite a bit. You've You've been to quite a lot of countries and has there been anything while you were traveling that really like inspired you and like kept you go wanting to go? Well, lately in the last few years, when we go out flower hunting, I've been challenging myself to either, it's either, you know, I'm going to find exactly what humanity is needing in the moment, or I'll like specifically choose a flower that's hard to find, like some endangered orchid in Iceland, you know, or in the middle of the United States as a challenge. And then kind of do like weeks of, in my meditation, just sort of reaching out to that place. Like if I'm meant to find the flower, can you help me out? Because in the indigenous cultures, they've actually shown this scientifically that in indigenous cultures, in some of them, medicine men and women would sort of like call out to the plant and say, can you help me with this particular issue? And then they would measure when the scientists came along within 24 to 48 hours after kind of making this request, the chemical constituents of the plants already start to like change in order to sort of fulfill that request. And so, so I guess to answer your question, and I know this sounds kind of woo woo, but <laughs> when I get to some of these places, it feels like that sort of it's been waiting for me, you know, like there have been times where we arrive at a place and there's just like this tiny little cloud in the sky. And as soon as we find the flower, this tiny cloud rumbles with thunder, you wow. know, and it just, 
it feels like the land is greeting us or we'll have like a really short blessing rain or it feels to me like the earth is this conspiring for us. You know, it's like this living, breathing entity. The earth is not just some like dead rock flying through space, you know, it's like alive. It is, it's here. Um, it is like responsive and we can actually have this really alive relationship with it. And so I would say that during travels, those have been the moments that are just like the most mind blowing when you feel not alone, you know, oh, you feel that. like so connected to everything. Yeah. And it's definitely everything kind of for me is connected. You know, we, if something gets affected, you know, whether it's through pollution or anything that we do, it has this ripple effect on a lot of stuff. It's not just one single item. So it's great to know that, you know, more people are actually looking at it as a whole. And, you know, so yeah, so that's amazing. So I would definitely encourage our crazy birds also to just like go out and have a look at some flowers and, you know, just like take it in and take it in with the moment and, you know, take it for, for what it is that you feel you receiving in that, in that moment. Yeah. That's really good advice. And you can, you can even just like go out in your backyard or to the park if you really want to experiment with this and just sort of observe which plants stand out the most to you, what attracts you, what intrigues you. And then you could actually even sit with the plant and ask, like, do you have a message for me? And I don't mean like your grandmother says, <laughs> eat your green beans. You know, it's like more like, is there some sort of healing that that you're really good at? You know, you know, just like tinctures are, are good for different things in our physical body. Is there something that you can, some part of wisdom that you can share with me? And it's kind of an interesting experiment. You may feel like, gosh, that's really crazy, but it may surprise you and may bring you more depth and meaning than you thought could happen from a plant or a flower. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm going to try it out with some of our plants <laughs> and also going to the, the park and just like relax and, you know, look at all these beauty. It's amazing. And I mean, talking about flowers and lounging and relaxing you have a podcast which is called the flower lounge with katie hiss can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah so we've released weekly episodes for the last three years we just took a pause recently so that we can sort of re rethink it um the last three years what we've done is interview folks um who are innovators and forward thinkers and living life kind of on their edge and doing things differently. Uh, we're currently now sort of reworking everything so that going forward in 2021, every episode will be focused on flowers or the healing power of flowers uh, so that it's, it's more sort of focused on the work that we're doing and educating people about flowers. Oh, cool. So definitely going to be worth checking out next year so I'm sure you'll be posting on social media whenever it's it's done so I'm gonna link all of that up for our crazy birds so they can easily find you there I guess I would share one of my favorite studies ever done it was a 10-year study done in France and the reason why is because it's so inspiring they found that if a friend's friend's friend became wildly happy 
it has more of a beneficial effect on you than if someone put $5,000 cash in your pocket and vice versa. If you become wildly happy, it has more of a benefit on your friend's friend's friend than if someone put $5,000 cash in their pocket. So I think sometimes we think, you know, we think we're little, we think we're small, we get stuck in our own heads and our own thoughts. And we think like, what really impact can I make? You know, when you, especially when you start thinking about sustainability, oh my God, I mean, just re- research like pollution or litter, or, you know, you could get overwhelmed very quickly and start thinking, what difference can I make? But when you look at the study, it's like, we're making a difference in every moment, like our mood and how we are in this moment is impacting people that we don't even know. So like we could be dancing naked in our bedroom, having a great time and someone who's depressed down the hall in the apartment or down the road suddenly gets hit by this wave of happiness. And I think we, we underestimate the actual power that we have as human beings. And so just to share that, you know, if anyone out there is feeling like, well, what can I do? What impact? We're constantly making an impact. And so if we can either tap into something like flower remedies or nature or being outside or painting or whatever that makes us happy, we are creating this giant ripple effect of happiness. I love that. And I mean, that's something that I've been noticing recently because there's a few people that I kind of know or that, you know, is kind of in your circles. And like, (laughs) I kind of avoid these people because every single time that you see them, it's like, I don't know, this thunder cloud of negativity that just like sucks you in. And then for that whole day afterwards, I can feel like, oh, I don't feel good. I need to sleep or no, I'm not going to achieve this. And, and it is true, you know, so obviously the opposite, if you, if you spend time with people that's uplifting and inspiring and, you know, happy, then that kind of goes down as well. So yeah. Do do a little bit of a evaluation on the people that you spend your time with because it does have an effect on you. And if not people, then go hang with the trees. <laughs> They're always happy. <laughs> oh, I love that. And then, Katie, what has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth? I would say to make time to really connect. You know, be just like every day, taking a few minutes to sit and really connect. To me, for me personally, the earth is an access point or a gateway into my spiritual path or my sense of feeling inseparable with things around me or my sense of feeling this kind of greater wisdom. Uh, And so I would say that would be by far the most impactful decision is really just, you know, meditating while looking at a tree. When you start to feel small in nature, you feel like you are the world, like you're connected with everything. You feel this giant, expansive, vast sense of ease that permeates your everyday life. And I know it sounds like a small decision, but I think the impact is really great. Love that. (laughs) I think a really fun exercise to do would be if you could share with us a flower from your childhood flower, tree, plant, something that you played with when you were a kid, and then three words to describe its personality or how it made you feel at the time. I think probably one of the flowers that I can mainly remember was 
that I played a lot with. It almost looks like a daisy type of thing, but a smaller one. So we had loads of those in South Africa and I always used to like pluck them and have them and put them behind my ear. And it just made me felt probably like happy and like pretty and just like full of energy because obviously it was like this whole jumping around, collecting these flowers. And yeah, so I, I think that that would be the one. And then if you were going to think today, like what is a flower that totally intrigues you today? What would that flower be in three words to describe its personality? I think that would probably be orchids. I mean, there's so many varieties. So I am always intrigued by the orchids. First of all, they are, I would say, beauty. Their beauty and like their uniqueness as well. They seem to <laughs> to be the only plant that I kept alive while we were living in Dubai. <laughs> so that was a good plus. And one of the things that really amazed me about orchids is it's something that, you know, like when you look at orchids, most of us buy the orchid when it's in full bloom and it looks so pretty and you can see what it looks like. But then after the, all the flowers is gone, then you're like, left with this little stick that <laughs> came with the pot and you're like, oh, what do I do with this? And, you know, so I kind of learned, okay, you need to like cut it down and then a new stem will kind of grow, but it takes time and it takes patience. So it's not something that's going to bloom all year around, but when it starts again in another few months or so, then it's like that kind of excitement because you've been nourishing this orchid. And what I used to do is back in Dubai, all of the orchids were in the exact same pot planted, you know? So I had about, I think six, six different orchids all over the house. And after they finished blooming, what I used to do is I would mix it up. So I wouldn't know which one was where, cause they weren't labeled. And that was quite exciting for me then to realize like, oh, the blue orchid is here now, or this one's here now. So that that's quite interesting as well, because they look exactly the same, but each of them is going to have a unique flower. So from these exercises, if your listeners are listening, they can also, you know, jot down and take notes on their own flowers. The first example of your childhood flower, what we find typically is that's how you would describe the essence or the way that you bring your greatest gifts into the world. So for you, happy, pretty, full of energy. Oh, wow. um, and then the flower that you're most intrigued with today is like something that you're kind of working on that is, is like in process. So you talked about beauty, uniqueness, survivor quality, something that sort of like goes under long periods of nourishment and then blooms. And it's like a total surprise. So does any of that resonate? Yeah, it does. Actually, it does. Now that you mention it, that's very interesting. I love it. Yeah, it's exactly how it is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Love it. So some of our crazy birds, if they wanted to do some of the quizzes or trivias, they can just head on over to your website for the one there or get in contact with you for more details. Yeah, absolutely. So we have the quiz at lotusway.com and it's lotus like the flower and wei.com. 
You can find that there. And then every Friday on our Instagram page, we also do like a slideshow of flowers and we'll say, okay, which one are you most attracted to? And then the next day we'll post up what that means. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. (laughs) We'll keep an eye out for that. So Katie, we are going to move into our final five now. The first one is, what is one social media account or publication that you follow? Mm, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. right now. Um, He's traditionally been really focused at cleaning up rivers and waterways around the world. Um, More specifically now, he's talking a lot about health. Cool. Definitely check that (laughs) out. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? Well, my personal wish is that we create as human beings this giant ripple effect of positivity and goodness by using flower remedies. And that that in turn, that that human happiness and human potential feeds back into this beautiful planet that we live on. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? I would say spend time in your backyard or in the park. Spend time under a tree, make an offering, water a plant, take care of a flower or walk barefoot on the ground and really try to like connect in with the earth and see, you know, what does it need? And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? I guess I would say sustainability also has to do with, you know, the sustainability of humanity, you know, that we, our species relies on, on the earth and the earth is so powerful that at any moment, if she wants to kick us all off, like fleas, you know, she can. Exactly. (laughs) So if you're not motivated by, you know, some of the more like typical sustainability things, I would say just being able to continue and survive and have humanity be able to flourish here on Mother Earth. We get everything from Mother Earth, our foods, our fruits, you know, the bees pollinating everything. If we don't take care of this planet, we won't be here. So just doing our part, taking care of what we can. And I definitely think that's something that is for a lot of people, they don't like kind of get that, you know, the planet's going to survive without us. Definitely. It's, it's going to thrive without us, in fact, you know, but we're not going to be able to survive without it. That's the thing. You know, we need to realize that the sooner we actually work together with the environment to like, you know, make it a sustainable place for us to live in as well as for the planet, you know, the better, because unfortunately, we're not going to make it in in a few years if if we keep on going the way we're at it. And Katie, yeah. where can people actually find you? You can find me online at lotusway.com. We're also on all the social media channels. And we're also in Phoenix, Arizona. So if anyone comes stateside, come and visit. We also spend every summer, except for this summer, we spend every summer in Singapore and Taiwan. So in any of those locations or online. Oh, I love it. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your love for flowers and the uh, flower remedies with us. I sure learned a lot and I'm sure there will be many of our crazy birds that's done as well. Thank you so much for having me, Mariska. It was so much fun. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap. 
huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms And they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best place would probably be a DM on Instagram at Design by Mariska or pop me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.